On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Uh, Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Postmortem on this Monday, the 20th of March. Dave Stanley with you for another big week on Sky Sports Radio and our panel of experts, Ron Dubbersey, Glenn Munsey and David Gately won't be too far away. What a brilliant day it was at Rose Hill Race Gardens on Saturday. The Golden Slipper, the Ryan Moore Show, was brilliant to watch and Coolmore win their first ever Golden Slipper. Some cracking other group ones on the card as well. What about the Tyler Schiller story? We'll touch on that. We'll also touch on the fact that Boy, oh boy, William Haggis comes to town with a horse with not bad form, but makes some of our horses not look second rate, but just blows them away. So that sets up, uh, get a potential, uh, I guess, enthralling Queen Elizabeth in a couple of weeks' time there at Royal Ramwick. And our first guest on the panel is Ron Doversey. Duff, good morning to you, mate. Um, if that's what we're in for for the next couple of weeks when it comes to this Sydney carnival, we are well and truly in for a treat. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Dave. We sure are. Uh, that was an exciting day's racing, enjoyable all the way through. It sort of warmed up quickly um, with, uh, well, that, that tactical ride by Nash Rawilla on Lindemann and then Opal Ridge, who never seen a win like it. She, is, she was outstanding. And the ride is another one, her t- talking point in its own. And then we went on, Dubai Honor, Animo, um, the battle, and then Shinzo, and then... Um, another uh, Maria Mia and Tyler Schiller again and we finish with a, a good solid win by Zapatea with a sensational meeting a sensational meeting it was uh, we've got David Gately joining us so Gator we saw the valley um, and we saw a good crowd there for the all-star mile and uh, that turned into to be a pretty good race and these Hayes boys another big a big feature yeah that's right hasn't Mr Brightside uh, gone to another level I mean he was always so genuine, but, uh, you know, a bit of early superimposed about him. He'd always find a couple better, but um, now he's coming into his own. He's going to try and do a superimpose, apparently, and go back to back in the Doncaster. And also joining us this morning, Glenn Munsey from the Tab. Uh, Munz, uh, you've been to Rose Hill plenty of times. You've seen plenty of slippers, but there was, what, just a tick over 21,000 there on Saturday, and there was a good vibe, wasn't there? It was, um, it was a pretty special day. Yes, Dave, good morning to you. Good morning to Ron Gator and the listeners. Uh, you know it's going to be a, a good crowd at Rose Hill Gardens when there's plenty of people around the enclosure. Uh, and it was very warm there on Saturday. And you'd say, well, why wouldn't you be inside in the air conditioning? But they wanted to be part of it outside, looking at the horses and taking a, a keen interest in what was going on there. And they were very much rewarded uh, with a great day's racing there on Saturday. Track, you know, jury's out. Uh, the track there seemed to be the no-go zone earlier in the day, closer to the inside, and then as the track dried out, it seemed to be the inside was the place to be. Um, and, you know, that they, they poured the, the poured the water into it Thursday and fr- uh, Friday and Saturday. We did say on the punters panel on Friday, Dave, don't be surprised if this track will be watered, and it was. Uh, and uh, it, Sean was uh, up front on Saturday morning. He said the jockeys that rode the gallops thought it was closer to a five uh, there. Uh, Bretton Abdullah will win the quote of the day. 
Uh, he said, when asked about the track, he said, evidently it was about 4.9 and they rounded it down to 4. Yeah, well, that was very clever from Brenton. He's very, very quick. Um, let's talk about uh, the slipper first. I'll get uh, comments from all of you. Uh, obviously, it's it's funny too, hearing uh, from the, the Coolmore team as, um, you know, the infos come out. When the original barrier draw happened, they were a bit... Uh, concerned possibly about one they, they were thinking oh maybe not the place to be is that where we want him uh obviously it turned out beautifully and we got to see ryan moore in full flight uh duff i know that he didn't have to go around a horse but he rides on this uh this long rain doesn't he and he's just so powerful yeah well, his record speaks for itself worldwide uh, doesn't it and uh, he just had the two majors there in the bag so um uh, dubai honor obviously he just rode him beautifully and um, yeah, he just got the right runs on both horses. He had the good barriers, but he got he gets the job he got the job done uh, on two two very good horses, mind you. What do you make of how that slipper unfolded? Obviously the winner very good, cylinder very good, King's Gambit's gone fantastic, um Duff. In fact you you can go back and make not a case for the, the top ten, but that you can say possibly that this slipper's gonna turn into a race where there's going to be plenty of winners to come out of it wherever they go. Yep, it's easy to dissect a race after it, and he, the Colts end up the superior athletes on the day, uh, being the first five across the line with Blanc de Blanc being the first filly home in sixth position. So, look, Shinzo is a really good Colt, and he was, and Chris has always said that all the way through. I've never heard him speak highly of a, of a two-year-old ever, and he was proven correct. He got the timing perfectly right as far as um, he picked him up to qualify because he had to and he held him there with something up the sleeve and showed improvement again so and he got the right ride simple as that but he's um yeah well it wasn't any fluke he's a very good cult the previous week we were left standing thinking uh you know it was a good win but he didn't run the time of of steel city so he, she should beat him home on was on the data uh, but it was wrong. It was all, it was all the other way, the, the other timing, the timing of the, the athlete, and the timing was spot on for him to peak, and he, he did overcome um, pattern of the day uh, the previous week and look very, very good. So sometimes you've got to trust your eye, and it can work. Cylinder was great. Um, he ran right up to his favouritism, just beaten by a better horse in the day, had every possible. King's Gambit might have been the one who had excuses, he melted in the yard terribly and then he had to cover ground most of the way and took him a while to get into stride. So a lot of merit in his performance. And Don Corleone was, uh, maybe he is the 1,400-metre horse rather than the 1,200-metre horse. And I think he showed that on Saturday that he's still got something to give when he hits 1,400 of the of the sires. Empire of Japan, their stable, mate, he overachieved. But I think the point with him is um, his best performance, although it was on a heavy track in the Breeders' Plate, that's the only brutal test he'd been in. So he finds himself in a hard-run race after being in these small fields with sprint homes, and you see uh, um, that he, he bounced back and ran a, a bold race there. So the Colts too good, and I, I can't really... I don't think we can go out of the race saying anything was really unlucky. I think the best horses uh, finished um, up there, although we'll never know with learning to fly. That was a very unfortunate situation, mm -hmm. uh, what happened with her. And I guess, too, we'll never know with Red Resistance. That, that's right. And we'll never know with Lazar yeah. So, But, uh, yeah, that was that was unfortunate, that little incident. Uh, uh, 
you know, half around that first turn. The um, the situation too with learning to fly that uh, we saw some tweets from Tom Magna and I know that he did an article with both Ray Thomas and Chris Roots that uh, obviously she's quite lame in the front and we won't see her for a period of time. They will just look after her at the farm and she'll recuperate. But yeah, Chance Schofield was pretty pretty emotional considering all the work that he'd done, not only with the filly but also um, just the, the association he has with her um, and, and how that incident unfolded. Gator, you were watching uh, from the studios there in Melbourne. How did you think the 2023 Golden Slipper um, unfolded to your eye? Well, it was fast. So I think um, that we're certainly going to be able to trust the form. And my first reaction was, uh, I don't think we'll have any worries about the slipper winner not going on with it this year. Um, Everyone and their dog who knows anything about this horse tells you it'll be a three-year-old in Shinzu. And, yeah, obviously, you know, a bit of a tough track for for punters. All of a sudden, back to the inside was okay. But um, you can't take anything away from him he set off a really strong speed. They went 34.96 off a standing start at the first half of the slipper this year, six lengths above the Group 1 two-year-old average, which set up that really fast time. Cylinder's effort to sit right behind that fierce speed and beat all bar one, I think, was excellent. Um, I think King's Gambit, who I landed on pre-race, I was thinking, I think he might just be the best horse, but he's still a bit of a dill. And... You know, we're doing tips on a Wednesday, and I'd love to know then how he would parade. Again, it wasn't great. If he ever gets his act together, I'm scared of what he would be able to produce that horse. And um, yeah, so if you're a, if you're a fan of, of times, you know they've run five lengths above Group One two-year-old average. These this crop, and I think Duff's points the most salient though out of all of this. Um, that uh, data is really important, and ratings are fabulous, but they're great for after the race. You know, um, before the race, we need to try and find the winners, most of us. Uh, well, every punter. So, you know, use the data, but don't be a slave to it, is my lesson learnt. Munns, there, was there money around for Shinzu? What was the, uh, the SP16? Well, they lost on the slipper, Dave. The tab? The, yeah, Shinzu was a losing result in the book that sat there from uh, Tuesday onwards. The final field book was actually Shinzo was a loser. Um, was there any big money around for it? Um, well, what, it was, what, what was the what was, was the horse they came for? Like, what was the computers coming for late in the slipper? Was it was it the the favourite? Yes, it was. Dave yeah. um, uh, Timmy Ryan said on Saturday morning. You know, he he thought you know it was the clear top pick cylinder. It was th- short of three dollars twenty there at one stage. Got to three dollars seventy and was bang into three dollars forty or similar there as as uh, they were getting you know, ready to jump it. You know, there was nothing really um, strange about about the market. You know, with these sort of races, Dave, when you're betting on them for months uh, on end, uh, and even, you know, then you get to a final field situation on the Tuesday, uh, it's very rare to see a horse that's a, a savage firm up, um, albeit Cylinder was that horse on Friday afternoon uh, when it was as much as $4.40 into $3.50. Now, that's a big firm. In a, in a race like the Slipper on the day before the race. Uh, and then, of course, Red Resistance coming out Saturday morning. Um, you know, well, Shinzo was single figures on Tuesday and, and doubled its price throughout the week, coming up with Barrier 1, which you don't see either. Um, normally, when they draw Barrier 1, they, they firm in the market and they hold their spot there. But he, he, he doubled his price in the, in, from Tuesday 
um, through to Saturday morning, which is, you know, unheard of realistically. And do you think too, um, Munns, that his price reflection was the way in which we thought that track was, that he had drawn the inside and, well, this is not the place you want to be? Um, well, Dave, we hadn't run a race when he was $17. No, uh, but on, on the day, but in ter- like, let's, let's say if that fence was on fire and an escalator and everyone wanted to be there for the day, surely he wouldn't have started 17 because people would have done their maps and gone, right, well, he's going to land in a good oh, spot no, here. C- yeah. c- certainly, yeah. If yeah. it was, you know, a, a standard hard, fast Rose Hill rail out, up the inside way you go, uh, he wouldn't have got to that price realistically. And, and, you know, it just goes to show you, you know, the, um, you, you look at the, the interference in the race and, you know, you, you feel sorry for connections. There was uh, Coolmore in the ownership of learning to fly uh, with uh, the Westerberg organisation and, and Mr Poolin. So down goes learning to fly um, and home steams Shinzo. Learning to fly goes back and cannons into Lazago who's owned by Debbie Kapitas, and both of the organisations are in the ownership of Shinzo. Mm. Um, Animo, let's talk about the George Ryder before then we jump down to uh, the All-Star Mile uh, because there's a couple of texts on the text line plus a call from Sean. But, gee, that was a tough win, Duff, from Animo. Um, He was sort of caught in a little awkward position. Um, I'm sure that during the run he was... Putters were thinking, oh, hang on, hang on, he's going to have to be really good here, and he's just a he's just a fighter. Yep, he certainly is. He's a he's a noble horse, isn't he? He's a um, he, he's a obviously a crowd favourite, um, and so he should be. And he was in a spot of bother there. He was back a little in distance, and was a change of tact with him. Uh, but as far as this race, there's the lead up for the Queen Elizabeth, and some may say, you know, length and a half covering, you know five, six, seven horses, whatever. Uh, but that's his style. That's what he does. And that's where he he, he, he gets the imagination going of, of other partners to say, look, this, I've got a terrific hope of beating him. And, you know, you'd be you'd be crawling on the floor if you'd been backing Fangirl and she's just running into dead ends and looking a good thing beat behind him every time. Um, but it's just the nature of the beast. Um, he is just a complete package. Um, he had a go at going forward, he, he copped his medicine, he went back to midfield, he, he knew he couldn't drag back to last list, a vital stage of the race to get cover, uh, as they say, all important cover, it doesn't matter when you're in a, in a rhythm like him, um, anyway, he was just amazing again, what, 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 what more can I say about him, but... There was a lot of merit in the beaten brigade in saying that because she was a terrific fangirl. Um, she lost a little bit of momentum at uh, the top of the straight there and she's charged again, converged, put in a great Doncaster mile trial. Artorius, he had his little issues there um, as far as being tight in tight gaps at stages there and then he, he did his customary thing the last 50 metres and absolutely wanted to go like a rocket savaging the line and I thought one of the best runs of the day was um, as far as the future going back to Mayor's class was Levante because as we keep saying, this Rose Hill track, when you get out too wide, it's not the place to be. It's hard to finish right off there, and she did. Um, I really like her. I think she's going to be hard to beat in the um, 
Queen of the Turf coming yeah. up. And that's where they're going, the Queen of the Turf, uh, Ken and Bev Kelso. Uh, Gator, uh, this race has sometimes thrown up, um, you know, um, Doncaster winners, etc. We know Animo very good, but Fangirl ticking over nicely. And even a couple of texts on the text line about uh, an Ozopenko, a, a communist, a lion's roar. Um, they weren't disgraced, were they? No, look, the three-year-olds measured up, and that's what's been happening this generation um, all the way through. Um, I think where they're just falling short, though, is in this league. So Communists beaten a length, Ozapenko uh, 1.3 lengths. You saw Golden Mile well-backed to win uh, a couple of, or his last start two weeks ago. And every chance, like he was good, beaten a length. So they're just, I guess that's it. They've had a length or two off the A-pluses. But anything beyond, from an A, from an A-minus down, uh, you can strongly, um, you can back up the three-year-olds, I think, with a lot of confidence that they're going to measure up. And, and a lot of them are winning. Uh, yeah, fangirls come home at ten ninety six. If you don't mind, uh, she's only one to break eleven seconds all day. And you know, I guess we'll never know her last two. Um, if she has clear running, does she win? But you know, you can argue that till the end of time. Um, the fact is, Animo just keeps on winning. Now, did I hear correct and see correct, uh, Muns, that uh, they wanted to take this horse on the tab on Saturday? Yeah, it was their lay of the day, Dave, and, um, you know, he, he, he wasn't far off being right. He, he just, uh, Timmy said that, you know, they were just worried with the draw and where it was and what sort of run it was going to get, but it was masterful bookmaking because uh, in the morning uh, they'd averaged it out at $1.67, uh, and then Timmy said, well, it'll get very, very close to black black figures. It got to $1.90, and uh, they did plenty on it, but um, I suppose that, you know, the art of bookmaking, it's the price that you're laying them at, Dave. I think they average it out for every coin at $1.80, um, which which wasn't bad, but um, the punter's got the money there. I, I thought it was one of the wins of his life, Animo, because uh, we spoke about it on Friday. We thought that, you know, James had pressed the bu- uh, button early and, and um, get across, um, you know, he, he rode him with spurs on. I don't know whether he normally rides him with spurs on, so you knew that he was going to get a dig early. Um, but they just didn't let him get to where he wanted to be. Ozapenko was sort of over-racing a little bit inside him. He couldn't get across in. Um, you know, he has sat no cover the whole race. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are, the you know, some of the best horses in the land that, he, that he's racing against. And, you know, that's the great thing about competitive weight-for-age racing. You know, you're not you're not out there to be presented to the, uh, with the race, uh, and the others made Animo do the absolute utmost that he had to to beat them. And um, I guess we then look at the All Star Mile, which we'll touch on now, where we see Mr. Brightside. And I'll come to you here first, uh, Gator. Obviously, uh, Luke Curry. We talk about jockeys, no overseas jockeys coming back. I know he's an Aussie, uh, Luke, but he's been over there in Hong Kong and. Perfect ride on Mr. Brightside, and we're going to see these horses, probably some of them, come up to Sydney now and um, all this form come together. Yeah, that's right, and you can tie it in easily, can't you, with the runner-up, Cascading, who just ran so well uh, in the Canterbury Stakes. I mean, he matched Arturias' last 200 in that race. He came to an all-star mile and drew poorly, so they restrained back. Safe ground was a brilliant ride. We just found the winner a bit too strong, and... Uh, it's hard to take anything away from Mr. Brightside. He sat just off a really strong speed. Uh, you know, he ran the time and then he held off the swoop as the inevitable uh, was excellent. Um, alligator blood. Probably had his chance. 
you know, I know he was, you know, bit of, probably a bit out of his comfort zone with that sort of tempo and he wasn't able to get control of it. But, um, you know, he was effectively alongside the winner at the, the 250. So um, he hasn't been beaten far. You know, he's only been beaten a length. He's run well, but expectation was obviously higher. Nugget's going great for something easier um, as he's pounding. So uh, a bit to take out of the, uh, the race this year again. Uh, we've got a call on the line, Sean. Good morning, Sean. Morning, guys. So are you? Very good, mate. You want to talk about I'm Thunderstruck? Yeah, well, what a, again, what do you think? Do we give it a, a, a wide berth now or we keep backing it? It's a bit, bit, yeah, I can't take much more of it. No, I'm feeling that. Um, yeah, the first cup run, I, back, I tipped him. Uh, I was happy to back him. Uh, sixth quickest last 200. That's not like him. They said, oh, he's not fit enough. He told us after the race. Awesome. Stays at 1,400 box seats. I'm thinking, okay, he didn't quite finish off again, but maybe ridden too close, so another excuse we found. Saturday back in a fast run race, perfect scenario. Moved into the race like the winner, didn't finish off. Did vet with some heat stress post-race. So if you're um, an extremely forgiving individual, uh, there's another excuse there for him. Thanks for your call, Sean. Appreciate it, mate. Back up to Sydney we go. Ramvit Stakes, we get to see Dubai Honor. We weren't sure if we were going to see Dubai Honor earlier in the week. Um, there was some conjecture that maybe uh, they wouldn't accept. Uh, I'm glad, well, if you backed it, uh, you're glad that they did accept. And only a small field, but, um, geez, just the way he, he sprinted away from these horses, Duff. Uh, yeah, um, I'd have to say um, the run of the day, Um and that's no disrespect to Animo because this was the way he put a margin in good horses uh, was so dominant and um, considering he was first up and and the way he went about his work and prior to this race, you know, even the sprint races, the track was still a bit of the edge off it and to think that he's coming home, well, the, the, from the leader, the, the last 600 sectional was 33.78 uh, compared to some a lot slower races uh, earlier on as far as the, the sprinting home. Um, it's a feather in his cap. He's uh, He's got a turn of speed about him. He looks adaptable. Um, I've heard a few people say, oh, you know, they're second-rate Europeans coming over here. You have a look. He may have had a flat preparation last prep, but you have a look at his real form. He's a serious, serious horse. So full steam ahead. Uh, what can you say? He demoralised a good field. Uh, Gator, um, what, what did you make of it? Looking from uh, from Melbourne, and I guess too, how, how do you then go ahead moving forward when we do see him race against Animos and and our others best at ten furlongs? Wait for age. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not a uh, exceedingly difficult uh, line to draw, uh, given he's just absolutely left Malunga for dead. You know, five and a half lengths away. That's the horse that Animo just got by in his previous win. Um, you know, he beat him well enough. He didn't beat him by five and a half. So if it was that easy, look, we'd all be trillionaires. But um, I think it's a reasonable line to draw. Um, he's sat pretty close to a moderate tempo by Group 1 standard. But zoomed home. I mean, 33.64. Animo's come home 33.46. So... Look, if you're a really good athlete and you jog the first bit of a, any race, you are going to run home fast, and that's what these two both did. But uh, to answer your question, um, no matter what, how you look at the race, whether it's times, was it visually, 
whether it's um, you know a myriad of different ways you look at form lines. It's nothing short of outstanding. Munz, we talk about Shinzo being a, a loser um, in the book for the tab. Where did you, by honest it? Because we know Moanga jumped favourite uh, and there was some support for Montefilia. Did Was there any attraction to the Haggis horse? Uh, no, Davey. It was $4.60 to $6.50 on the day. Uh, you got to feel sorry for the customer who bet on Wednesday and had 20000 on him at $4.80, then copped a six-cent deduction uh, when Ray's you come out. Now it trots on race day and starts $6.50. Um, but when are we going to learn? Like, once again, just the, the greatest hoodwinking exercise. Um, we, why do we just keep falling for the trap? What is it now? It's, it's, um, what's he won now in Australia, Wing Haggis? Seven races or something? Seven out of 11, something yeah. like that, I think. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, oh, the, you know, the horse needs you know, wet ground. He needs wet ground. He needs wet ground. Um, you, you wouldn't thought he needed wet ground on Saturday, what he did to those horses. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it just too good. You know, he hadn't won a race for, you know, 17 months or whatever it was. Um, you know, they said he had a little bit of a flat preparation last time. But uh, it, very interesting to hear, you know, Corey on Thoroughbred Weekly yesterday, how well this horse was in the yard when you when you consider he was, he was having his first start in Australia. It's, you know, mid-30-degree day or low-30-degree day. Didn't turn a hair at any stage. And just went out and brained them. Uh, Munns, I know you got your uh, computer there. We, we talk about great races. We talk about, you know, how in the spring we get to see, well, hopefully we're going to see more internationals targeting, you know, Cox Plates, etc. This Queen Elizabeth, though, is going to shape up to be something because we've got an Anime what 230 favourite, Dubai Honour at 280, and then um, Unicorn Lion, a uh, Unicorn Lion, the Japanese horse, uh, which will be arriving pretty soon, or it has already arrived for um, Mr. Yahagi. And for those that don't know Mr. Yahagi, he travels the world and just continues to win big races everywhere. So it's going to be, we're, we're, it's going to be one of the races of the autumn. Talk oh, about, so just, before I, just before Glenn goes on, talk about brilliant bookmaking, Glenn. $2.30 and $2.80. Just lay mm. them both. Um, we're actually laying Unicorn Lion too at eleven dollars. So oh, okay. uh, you know, if you can put them all in, what's that? That's uh, that's eighty five, eighty six percent in three. Uh, not bad at the moment. If you can, uh, if you can bet, uh, the race isn't on for another two weeks, uh, oh. and then you know, and hopefully protagonist might go around. He's a fifteen dollar chance. Mr. Brightside might back up out of the Doncaster. He's a $15 chance. Montefilia's there. Sharp and smart. You know, it would be a good race if you can put them all in. But, uh, yeah, they, he certainly got a haircut and a shave after Saturday. Due by honour. This time last week, he was $11 uh, in the race. Uh, now he's a $2.80 chance after he's, after he's won at uh, $6.50. So they haven't missed him on the way through. Um, and, and so what's... With, with, I was going to say, do you think that's based on what we see, the, the right market to have in terms of should Animo be favoured? Well, Animo should be favoured at the moment, Dave, because Animo's proven uh, what he's done there. And, and the Aussie horse, you know, 99 times out of 100 will always start favoured over the international horse. If we get to uh, Queen Elizabeth Day, which, as I said, is on in a couple of weeks' time and we're on a wet track, well, that could be completely different because he's supposed to be so much better on, on, on a wet ground. Gator, would you have Animo favoured in your Queen Elizabeth market or Dubai Honour? Uh, look, Dubai Honour, for those reasons I've outlined, given uh, the horse he started by, he was only first up to as well. You know, um, you know, Animo was deeper into the prep. So 
Look, I get a lot wrong, so factor that in. But um, that's the answer for me. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, 13.53.53 is the open line number. We've got uh, the phone lines open now. Give us a call. Our best caller today. We might uh, have some little Racing HQ merchandise we can send out to you for our best caller. We've already had Sean give us a call, but ring now if you've got a question for our panel. 13.53.53, and uh, we'll hear your thoughts shortly. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. Welcome back to Punters Postmortem on this Monday. 13.53.53 is the open line number. You can give us a call and get involved with the show. And our best caller, we might just be having, uh, you get a little prize, some Racing HQ merchandise coming your way. We've got Des on the line, on line one. Good morning, Des. Good morning. Uh, I'm wondering, the rule used to be that jockeys had to ride their horses out to the line. I'm wondering if that rule has been changed. No, it hasn't. Right. Well, if someone could have a look at the second last race at Swan Hill yesterday on number six, Denali, and see if there's explanation why, just to say, not long into the straight, the jockey stopped riding that horse. Now, the jockey was a pickup ride, and it was a little uneasy in the bedding. And, and yes, I'm talking through me pocket, but there must be an explanation and you never see one. Okay, well, okay. One Anyone's... for you, Gator. Yeah, I hope Yeah, look, I'll have a look at it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, but uh, so I'll have a look and I'll have an opinion. Yeah. Okay. What race was that? Because uh, as far as I know, the rule still states the jockey must ride the horse out to the line. What race was it, Des? Uh, the second last at Swan Hill yesterday, race uh, six, six, and the horse was number six, Denali. Okay, we'll have a look at it. I'll just see if it was featured in the 12. Steward's report. It got uh, beat 12 lengths, Des. Denali, sure? Josh Cartwright was severely reprimanded under the provision of racing rule 190, uh, brackets three, for failing to fulfil his engagement. So that that's he was replaced. Uh, there's nothing in... And uh, Michael Aitken pleaded guilty to a charge of careless riding. Um, that's earlier on. What about race three? Was... What about race three, number seven? Is there anything there in relation to short and stout mugs? Oh, oh, short and stout, named after yourself, Doug. Um, hung in under pressure, uh, particularly over the last uh, 50, 150. Jared Lorenzini reported the mare laid inwards and the result was able to ride her out in the normal matter. Uh, switch the whip to the left hand. Uh, post-race veterinary examination, no uh, abnormalities. Uh, trainer Jane Duncan opinion the mayor was having was having only his third start. Uh, tired, she indicated she'll uh, a gear change. Yeah, and it could be that would... one because that was yeah, the, yeah, the, that, like... that was the one seventy favourite uh, that scooted down the hill, and uh, yeah, Jared sort of was was hanging in. hanging in. Yeah, yeah, and that might be the yeah. one. But, uh, but Des, no, the rule hasn't changed, mate. Um, so appreciate your call. Lenny's on the line now. G'day, Lenny. Are you there? Yes. G'day, James. How are you going? Good, um, Lenny, the, the mystery punter, the mystery uh, first four winner also. Uh, some other good news. I, I got on Shinzo on the 24th of January at 100 to 1 for the slipper, and not with, uh, not with the tab, but tab only had him at $34. And I was just curious as to, like, that's a bit of a, a big discrepancy in the prices. And uh, obviously, 
yeah, I was wondering, Mr. Munsey, how often do you yeah look at other betting agencies and see what what they're doing in, in regards to that sort of thing? Um, well, typically, uh, usually the, the other the way. Don't they just all copy and paste when you guys go up, Munz? Yeah, usually they do, Dave. Uh, you don't get to... Well, I remember back many, many years ago uh, when I was doing the slipper, I actually put... I think I put Miss Finland up favourite and somebody rang me and said, you know you've stuffed everything up here. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, how come you've made this favourite? I said, because I think it'll win the slipper. And he said, well, you've stuffed it for everyone now because it's, you know, you'll put it up, you know, half the price of what it is elsewhere. And I said, well, sorry, I'll put my own prices up if you don't mind. And, and they, can, they can run their own race. Because mm, if Samuel L. Jackson goes up early, you can never get on there. So, <laughs> I mean, there's no point. Um, and you can get 20 cents on sometimes. So, um, yeah, usually, Lenny, it's the other way around. Um, but um, anyway, uh, what I think the big thing for me is the way that track was playing, which is why I got to that price months. Really? Well, he, you know, but as I said, Dave, he was still seventeen dollars. I'm, I'm trying to work out why he was such a big drift during the week. Maybe, maybe because of the fact, you know, with the time comparisons of the the two two year olds from the same day uh, last Saturday. Um, Shinzo, of course, ran uh, one ten fifty six, and Steel City had run one ten oh eight. They were backing up. Uh, Steel City sort of. Um, held its mark, uh, albeit Steel City went up a longer price than Shinzo all the way back on Tuesday. Um, and then sort of Shinzo kept getting out, right? which is not usually the case when you draw barrier one. Uh, I want to ask Gator a question about a horse, uh, more so as an Oaks chance. So Queen's Air, uh, what do you make of her, Gator? Yeah, she was brilliant, wasn't she, on Saturday? Um, another three year old beating the older horses. Now, None of these older horses that she beat are any stars, sure. But she was 1,400 to 2,000 metres, third up. She over-raced for the first half of the race and still shot away one by 4.2 lengths and ran about 10 lengths above all averages. So, um, yes, I think she's very, very good. Okay. $11 for the Oaks. Um, yeah, she mm. interesting to see she comes. Yeah, well, she's got form around uh, Pavitra, who's the $3.50 favourite for the Oaks, uh, on the back of winning uh, the Kembla Grange Classic the other day. They met twice over the, the spring, may have been the wakeful, definitely in the Oaks. Uh, there wasn't a great deal between them on, on both occasions. But Queen Air's one of those horses, Gator, that she's always had a stack of promise, but um, always just, just to be ridden so cold. And it was interesting, you know, to be up on speed there on Saturday. Yeah, well, she showed good dash in her trial into this preparation and uh, she went to a maiden first up and actually led yeah. over a short course and raced away. And I thought, hello, uh, she's, uh, clearly um, she's found some dash with some natural um, maturity. What she needs to iron out, though, if she gets to the elite level is this, um, this over-racing, which is in really good hands to do that and with natural maturity. Um, you know, and she, as I say, she was jumping sharp in trips. So there was probably some freshness aspect there as well. So... Uh, she needs to iron those out um, because you need to do everything right once you get to the Olympics at the top level. Thanks for your call, uh, and Lenny, because Lenny left us. Now let's get to, and also your question too, Duff. Uh, Michael. Good day, Michael. Good morning, boys. How are we? Very good, mate. Uh, you're a gentleman, Dave. There's no doubt about that, mate. The other, uh, Ronnie, I want to have a little uh, talk to you about Graham Begstable, if I can, mate. Yep. 
Um, I've noticed the last couple of weeks, I've been following his stable for a long time. He's got a little twinkle in his eye this autumn, and I reckon it's because of Patty's aggressive going up to Sydney. Is she still going to go in the TJ? I'd say so. He's keeping her nice and fresh, so unless you see her in the William Reed, which I doubt on Friday night. Is she in the market there? No. Yeah, so I'd say it'd be full steam ahead for the um, TJ Smith, all things being well. And, uh, yeah, he's got a marvellous record. And how how good is Graham's horses racing at the moment? Uh, just unbelievable. Bike race, unbelievable. Yep. And the other one on Saturday was obviously non-conformist. I think he's an absolute moral for Saturday for the Australian Cup the way he won last time. Yep, well, um, he's got good Flemington form, hasn't he? Um, Gator would know more about him, but he, I, don't, I think he went into that race as a start-off race, and he, he won at Gator. Yeah, it was a brilliant win too, wasn't it? I mean, he was suited by really fast speed, sure, but he won sort of going away. You know, we touched on on this show... Um, he sort of lost his way last prep, didn't he, or last spring. But you go back the previous spring, and he's second to incentivise in a Caulfield Cup. He thrashed everything else and was wide for the first 1,000 metres of that race. So that shows you his quality when he's at his best. And that first run tells you he's at his best. Mm. Beautiful, Michael. He looks so well. Thank you very much for your call, mate. You go on the draw. So Des, Lenny, Michael, also Sean, give us a call if you want to go in as the best caller prize. Uh, 13 53 53 if you've got a question for our panel. Uh, I've got to mention this. Obviously, we had another Group 1 on the card there on Saturday when it comes to racing at Rose Hill. And we'll also touch on Nash's ride on Lindemann. Uh, but Tyler Schiller, uh, we've spoken about him on numerous occasions. Uh, the emotion he showed after the race stuff, obviously, uh, with that embrace with Corey Brown on Sky Thoroughbred Central. But then to, to hear the, the, the backstory that uh, his old man has been crook and he really wanted to achieve what he did on Saturday and his old man could see it, obviously, in a, a battle with cancer at the moment. I mean, this young man just continues to just grow as not only an individual but as a jockey as well. Yeah, well, he's had a good teacher, um, in Mark Newnham and he's really obviously listened to him because he got his confidence up early in the day with a, a, a very confident ride on him uh, and an outstanding performance although they went out very hard on Opal Ridge and then he he does that with his first group one on Maria Mia and yeah but we can't praise him high enough you know he's riding without a claim against some some gun-claiming apprentices there, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to run him down in this premiership because he's going to just lack those midweek rides without a claim. And But it's, it's, no, he's got the confidence of the trainers and owners, and they, 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 they're not hesitating putting him on in Group 1 races, and he's got the natural ability to ride light, which opens up so many, um, especially this time of year in these big handicap races. He's the go-to man. Uh, for anything that's got 50 kilos up to 54, and you can just hand-pick your own ride. So he's in that position now, and he's capitalising on it. Mm, and his luck didn't finish uh, Saturday either, because he's a, he's a mad harness man. Uh, uh, Graham he? White gave me a little a bit of a background to Tyler over the weekend. He said he started in the mini trots uh, down there. He's, he's, a horse he's got a share in actually won the feature race at Hobart on Saturday night. He's got a share in about 10 paces. Uh, and he actually bought one with his father, Glenn, and his grandfather, Peter. They bought one, paid 25000 for one at the sales, uh, a yearling. 
not too long ago, and he rode his first winner at his first ride at Hilston on the 6th of April 2019. Here he is four years later uh, riding his first Group 1. So, you know, it was a massive day for him. He's a very unassuming young bloke, Tyler Schiller, and, um, you know, to, to see him come on as he has, uh, he, he thought he'd won his first Group 1 a few weeks ago on Ruthless Dame in the surround. Uh, but the photo went the other way. Sunshine in Paris got the uh, got the photo there. But he he, he came out on uh, Maria Maria Mia on Saturday and um, to to win that first. And it was uh, his Twitter handle. Dave uh, was G One Tile Shill. So Group One Tyler Schiller. Well, I I actually sent him a message Saturday night and I said, well, now your Twitter handle is uh, reflecting how you're riding. Yeah, just I just think it's a it's a great great story, and he's very very unassuming man, and just um, yeah, good good uh, like an old soul, um, an old head on on young shoulders. Um, what did you make of the galaxy before we get to some more callers, Gator? Yeah, it was a really fast race as it is. Pretty much every single year they run it. Um, but uh, so look on that from that aspect, if you like, from a ratings aspect, you know, it's rated really highly. The problem I have with the race is. Um, that everything was unlucky. It was just yeah. Yeah. ridiculous, really. I haven't seen anything like it. Um, the winner had a nice trail and shot through and, and ran the time, so it's hard to, to detract anything, you know, take anything away from her. But you can argue to the end of time um, that seven other horses may have won it with even luck. So I have no idea what to do with that race. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, just a beautiful ride, well-presented mare, um, Uncommon James Asfora um, were put in great positions but never got balanced really at any stage. So classic case of you'll never know. Andermatt may have gone a lot better if he rode the inside rather than coming to the extreme outside. It, it, you're right. It, it's beauty in the eye of the beholder there as far as what do we make of it, but uh, a, a, a cracking race. Now, Martin's on the line. Good morning, Martin. Oh, good day, fellas. And I just thought I'd give you a ring, see if we have a bit of a discussion about Ryan Moore and his loose rein style. Yes. Um, is there any advantage to it? Where does he get that style? And why don't many other jockeys use it after his success? Yeah, I suppose it's just the way he was uh, brought up and taught to ride. He's um, Each jockey, Bowman's a bit like that. Um yeah, he's, it's certainly effective. I don't know why. It's, it's, it, he grew up where, um, I suppose, uh, we've got the new era here, new era in um, Australasia, or well, in the world really now, is this, we've caught up with the toe in the iron, and there's still the, the old jockeys that just put their, their foot in the iron, but um, it's it's a whole new uh, world process now. These, these jockeys travel the world and yeah. they copy off each other, and um, I suppose Ryan... He's just kept his style, the effective style that's always worked for him, but I'm not sure. You've, you've seen a lot of good jockeys in your time. Um, obviously, his record speaks for it himself, Duff, but strength-wise, from just chatting with uh, off uh, Mike to your J-Max, your Hugh Bowmans, etc., they all believe he's the strongest jockey in the world. He's very effective, isn't he? Yeah. And he, he, he harnesses his aggression uh, for each moment. And yeah, he, he's we, we all know he's a cool customer. I thought he was quite chirpy there on set. He was. <laughs> um, it was a bit disappointing. I, you know, I wanted to you know 
brush people off. <laughs> but no, he, he, he's, a, he's a, a champion. What else can you say? He's, he's mid to late 30s and to ride as many group one winners around the world in every, pretty well every country that matters. Um, yeah, anyone that wants to stick the boot into him um, have got issues. Mm. Thanks for your call, uh, Martin. Mark's on the line. G'day, Mark. G'day, Dave. G'day, boys. Um, I want to ask Gator and Ronnie a question about Adamo. Even though he's a great horse and walking on champion, just my opinion, and this is why I want to just throw it to you, Blakes, do you think he's a better horse up to the mile on a fast run speed than to go over 2,000 metres dictated by speed like Great Parade, Slow, and, and you know, he, he can beat him because he's the best horse of the race? It's just why I look at his record, but he was a two year old, three year old, four year old. His sprinting record is enormous. And I just wanted to know whether you think he's a better horse, really strong, up to a mile, rather than going over 2,000 metres, please. Well, um, he should have won two Cox plates at 2,000 metres. And they say that's, um, well, he got beat. He, I'm saying he, he was unlucky to lose that protest, and he, then he backed it up. Um, I don't know whether I agree. I think maybe we'll answer that question after he goes through his next battle at 2,000 metres because he's been set up to peak at 2,000 metres um, next time and, and it'll be against quality opposition. So, yep, he's a, he's a funny horse where a lot of people debate him because mainly because he, he, he's a little bit octagonal-like where he doesn't have the wow factor. I won't say the wow. He does have the wow factor, but... Not the dazzling race away. Look at this, you know, Luskin Star, 50, beats, beats opposition by eight, you know. So I, I get it. And he, no, no, I, I think he, he'd be fine at 2,000. I think his record says that he's good at 2,000. Oh, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. They can run 2,000 metres, Ronnie, but it's good you use Luskin Star as an example because obviously we remember his accolades as a two-year-old and three-year-old. But they also tried, well, let's put him over a bit of distance and run him in the Cox Plate. And mm. that was the downfall. Yes. And our mask game, that's what I'm saying. This Lord could sprint. I wanted to run him, I spoke about this years ago when Brad was on there regarding, unfortunately, he's going to go up the Everest. Because a three-year-old with his ability at that age. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's where I came from, Ron. He's a great horse, he's a champion, I love him. But I think he's much better up to the mile with speed on. Like you saw two starts ago, he brained him. Mm. He brained him. Interesting. Thank you very much for your call, Mark. Uh, now we've got uh, Mick on the line uh, who's going to join us. So, g'day, Mick. G'day, how you going? Very good, mate. What's your question? Yeah, just for granted, I just want to know about a jockey challenge. Um, if the jockey is replaced or something, do you get that jockey or what no. happens? No. Uh, if, if the jockey is replaced before they have a ride, uh, that jockey is usually closed and the money is refunded because he hasn't had the ability to actually earn any points. Uh, but say right. he's had a couple of rides during the day and then is replaced on his rides later in the day, no, uh, there's no refund or, or, or okay. anything like that. You, but you don't get the replacement rider, no. Oh, okay, no worries. Thank you. All right, thank you very much, Mick. Keep because giving there, us... is, there is a category, any other jockey. Yeah. Uh, keep giving us a call, 13 go. We're getting close to 10. We're going to get, there's plenty of calls out there. Uh, and, of course, our best caller today will receive some racing, uh, racing HQ uh, merchandise. So give us a call. Here's something interesting for the stats out there. And I don't know if you guys know this off the top of your head. 
Ryan Moore has now won the Golden Slipper, the Cox Plate, the Melbourne Cup. They've got the famous, what, Grand Slam, don't they, where if you win the, the Slipper, the Cox Plate, Melbourne Cup and Caulfield Cup. Uh, that, that's what they call the, the Grand Slam. We've had plenty of Aussie jockeys win it. But has there ever been an international jockey that's got our Grand Slam? I don't think there would be, would there? No. No, I wouldn't think no. so. No. So I wonder if we will see some more history come the spring. Uh, Matt's on the line. Good morning, Matt. Hello, Matt. Can you hear me, mate? No, we haven't got Matt yet. I've never seen Nick move that quick. I thought we had him on the line. We've also got uh, a text then I'll go to before we get to Matt and these other callers. Uh, we spoke about Opal Ridge, which was fantastic. Uh, what do we do with uh, Chris Munster's horse in the last, uh, Duff? Because, um, uh, tr- uh, what's this say? Hi, boys. Duff, what do I do with Munster's horse in the last? Trialed like a machine. I was disappointed, were you? Of course, we're speaking about um, what? Um, Blazer Pan. Yeah, look, she had a chance. Uh, she she was just nutted out of third. She was beaten, you know, a, a length and a half or so, two lengths. So I thought she presented to win, or but I, I just think maybe, you know, she did have 58 and a half um, against some lighter weighted horses there. And I, I thought she just was just anchored a little bit late there first up. So uh, disappointing if you backed her like I did. But, um, yeah, she didn't fail. She she, she, she just, just was found out a little bit first up there okay. in a pretty fast race. All right. Now Matt's on the line. Good morning, Matt. Hello, how are you? Very good, mate. As well with the Hong Kong races and everything on yesterday, I was just curious, how do the Australian jockeys all get over there so quick after the race? It's finished near Saturday about 5, 6 o'clock, and they all fly on their own private jets or all go together. Just to no, get there's there a plane. So there's a plane leaves Saturday night about ten thirty, I think it is, and gets to yeah. uh, gets in early Hong in the Kong morning. In the morning, yeah. And geez, I feel sorry for them too, Matt. They're all up the back, you know, that yeah. last row of the Singapore Airlines or whatever <laughs> it is, and no scoot. Oh, scoot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> they all blow up. They've got to they pay got to the extra baggage when they go yes. over because they can't afford the luggage. Nah, yeah. you know. So yeah, no, there is a plane. In fact, there was, there was a mad dash. Uh, from seeing Huey and a few others, they were all sort of going together to uh, to the airport. Um, so save money on the cab fare. That's right. Yeah, wonder who pays. Um, so yeah, so Matt, that's how they get there, mate. Wouldn't all be right, Huey. No, Huey got fined five thousand there on Saturday, so he'd be very, very um, quiet on the handing over for the cab. Yeah. What did we think of the uh, Hong Kong Derby yesterday? Uh, quickly, Duff. Uh, yeah, it uh, was an upset result. It was an mm. upset result, and uh, the two big guns were around the mark, but. Uh, um, just name escapes me of the winner now, but he he was like more of a voyage bubble. Oh. Yeah, but uh, he'd be regarded more of a sprinting type, and I think it would have been a huge upset for the the locals in Hong Kong to see him win there. Ryan Moore running second there um, on uh, with Two Shell and Beauty Eternal was third. So uh, yeah, voyage bubble forty six eighty. It was on the tote. Michael's going to be our last caller before we get some horses to follow. Michael, what have you got for Hello. us? Hello, boys. Um, just um, in terms of Pericles on Saturday, um, pre-race, I wish I had a dollar for every person, pundit, who said he's falling apart, he's sweating up, he looks like he's falling apart, etc., 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 etc. He's jumped, he's headed the winner, and he's got beat a nose. Um, how much should we put on that pre-race sweating, and also what do you think about his run? It was a good run. He was beaten by a brilliant ride, and he was only third up. And, yeah, look, it's only a guide. Look, I don't know. I haven't had a lot to do with him as far as race day and knowing if that's a pattern for him. 
And it's a negative, but geez, a lot of horses win after after sweating up and getting agitated. That's for sure. So it's just a guide for the punters that might know the horse that he's sweating up today and whatever. And I I wouldn't count it as a to say it they can't win because they win a lot of races. Horses that misbehave and and get hot. Um, so I. I don't put too much emphasis into that, but it is a guide to say, well, be a little bit wary because he is he's very hot and agitated today. Um, oh, you know what? I had a little sneaky bit on him in Duff, mm-hmm. and I've been wrong. Doncaster? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think he was... I know he's been over the 10 furlongs before, and he's obviously running the Victoria Derby, but he was beaten that day. Do you wonder? Do you think that would be in the back of their mind? 49 kilos. We've seen it before. Horses have come out of that Rose Hill Guineas back to a mile at Ramwick. Yeah, but uh, where does he sit in order of entry? That's the thing. Well, that's there. Yeah, that's the thing. But yeah, he's uh, what, so, $26 at the moment. Yeah, I've fallen for these horses before without looking at the order of entry, and you're, you're a billion to one of getting in. So um, I've got it in front of me, actually. Give us a look here. Where is he? Can't find him. Is he nominated? <laughs> I'd say he would be, but uh, here he is, number 70. Dave, have you, would you like to back him again? Yeah, how good. Should have got 500s. Thank you. Beautiful. Okay, there we go. Another donation. It's like Lifeline. Uh, now, we need some horses to follow, and I need to pick out our best caller. Uh, we'll go to Duff, your horses to follow, please, mate. Uh, Levante stands out for me. Levante and I thought Swiss Exile resumed after a throat operation in a very fast race there, and I thought he did a really good job with the top weight. Um, to say that he's come up well. So Levanto, stand out, look out for Swiss, Swiss Exile in a suitable race. And Gator, your horses to follow, mate? Uh, we touched on Queen Air earlier. Um, we will put her in. Amenable, um, forgiving. I think he just has to get away from the valley. That horse, although that race didn't rate highly, and, and surely Fangirl this time. <laughs> You're solid. <laughs> I feel for you. Uh, and Munns, your horses to follow, please. Um, well, I'll go backwards, Dave. Jal Lay uh, from the last race. Everyone, you know, with two very, very good runs back from a spell now and significant for me. They're on sort of, you know, drier tracks. Uh, she won on protest, you know, won the Winona Girl. A lot of people said, oh, well, she shouldn't have won the race there. But she backed up that run on Saturday. Uh, and that's always a very, very good sign. Uh, what she, she, she's done there. And Midnight in Tokyo, Dave, uh, out of the Derby. Munro just got back and wide, and um, it, I'm going back to its first up run in the Fireball, uh, where it never had a great deal of luck, and uh, I'll, be, I'll be on its back. Um, but the, the tough times at this time of year is, you know, they're probably some horse looking for easier races, uh, and they tend to turn up in much, much harder races. Just before we wrap it up, uh, text on the text line, Duff, uh, uh, Munns, I should say, to confirm this. I didn't see this, but Dave, how about the guy that had 50000 with Tab on J-Mac to ride two or more winners? Had to wait to the last. Cheers, Blake from Maroon. Did I, did, did we take a bit? Well, it was a dollar fifty-five to ride two or more winners on the day, Dave. So we took um, a 50, jeez. It's a decent bet, but um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You had to get Zapateo uh, home in the last, and Goodness he great. probably thought by that stage he, he would have been looking to reinvest uh, if he's taken the dollar fifty-five. You know, the twenty-seven and a half. 
that he's won there. But um, you know, he probably thought Animo would uh, was you know a given. But you know, Pericles or or some other horses during the day, and uh, he uh, he had to wait for Zapateo in the last. But that's the great thing about punting, Dave. Uh, you're never ever gone until there's no other opportunity. Exactly. For and one more for you, Duff. I know we've gone over here, but uh, just another text on the text line. Um, I noticed. Uh, Shinzo didn't have a breastplate on in a photo of him crossing the line. Is that at the jockey's discretion? Uh, some jockeys like to say if they're doing it tough with the weight, they try to just uh, avoid it. Right. Um, I think you'll see one on him for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> there's another text here saying how lucky that saddle was not going back further. Um, obviously, but yeah, that's so that's something. So that can you can you can make that request if you're a jockey. Uh, well. Yeah, I think it's just a piece of the gear. You don't have to, you don't have to declare a breastplate played on horses. Yep. Um, you just Beautiful. Note from Hurls. Yes, that definitely was a bet on James McDonald yep. to ride two or more winners. Perfect. Uh, uh, gents. Jockeys don't ride. Don't, jockeys don't use uh, breastplates a lot these days. Uh, they do use, well, for want of a better, it's like a neck strap. Yeah. Um, it's just a, you know, like a, um, a very, very thin piece of leather that goes around their neck to mm. give them something else to grab hold on. And the breastplate, of course, is to stop the saddle shifting back. I have just texted you all, gentlemen, uh, and I'll get your horse to follow. We'll put that up on our social media uh, and Twitter platforms a little bit later on. Have a great week, boys. We've got, uh, obviously, this carnival continuing in Sydney. We've got one more week there at Rose Hill before we get to Royal Ramwick for uh, the championships. But Rose Hill is going to be a cracker on Saturday. We've got the Tancred. The Vinery, the Tullock, the Emancipation, the Doncaster Prelude, the Star Kingdom, the Neville Selwood. Uh, it continues on. And uh, what have we got down in Melbourne, Gator? Have we got uh, we're, we're, we're Flemington? Day. Yeah, Australia Cup Day. Uh, yeah, Friday night, Group 1. That's right. Yeah, it's all so uh, we need to win back some winners this week. Have a great day, Gene. Thanks for being a part of it. Our winner, by the way, Martin. Martin, we've thrown everyone's name in the hat, and Martin is our winning caller today. So, Martin, you've won the Racing HQ hat and the Stubby Holder, which we will be sending out to you in the post this week, and we'll be giving away a few more of those throughout the week. So have a great day, everyone.